Hey, welcome to another Coaching You podcast with the coach Brendan Sir and uh, Darius Nichols today is the head coach of Radford University. He was Mike White's assistant at Louisiana Tech and at the University of Florida on their great run that they've been having for the last several years in the post-Billy Donovan years. Darius is a terrific young guy who is a fabulous player at West Virginia for John Beeline and for the great Robert Huggs. Huggins, who is just one of the legends of, should be a basketball Hall of Famer, hopefully in a year. Played for both of those coaches. We'll talk about what the influence of a coach can make on a player's lives. Played 144 games at West Virginia, and now he's going back home to Radford, where he grew up and was a high school star. Uh, And I think you'll find out a lot of the reasons why, why he's ready uh, as a young coach and what he's had to do in preparing for this. I think you'll find it to be a really, really interesting interview. After this quick timeout, we're going to come back, and Darius Nichols is our guest. Hi, this is Brendan Sir. I'm talking to coaches, PE teachers, ADs, and camp directors because I'm so excited to announce our newest Coaching You podcast partnership with my friends from 360 Hoops. What if I told you that I've witnessed the most innovative game, training, and exercise for kids that I've seen in decades? 360 Hoops takes up less space than traditional basketball and allows for more players to get involved in developing their basketball fundamentals. The three-sided basket is attached to wheels for easy transportation and can adjust from 7 to 10 feet. The uses are endless, from elementary and middle school recess to physical education classic can also be used for team practice and skill development training for teams with players of all ages. For more information, visit www.play360hoops.com. To learn more about this new innovative product, make sure you mention Coaching You for a 10% discount. Hey, welcome to another Coaching You podcast with the coach, Brendan Sir, and I'm so excited today to have Darius Nichols, the new head coach of Radford University, as our guest. Darius, welcome, my friend. I appreciate you, Coach. Thanks for having me. All right. You know, and uh, one of the things as, uh, you know, and your assistant for so many years, you know, what what was the thing that really figured out, when was, how's the timing go when you're a young coach to say, I'm I'm ready to be or I want to be a head coach. What, what's the what's going through your head? I think I think young assistant coaches always think they're ready to be a head coach, but it, it's more so when other people think you're ready to be a head coach too. Um, so for me, it was like I had been through it um, as assistant over the course of the last few years, and you know you try to formulate your philosophy and all the things you want to do if you if you're fortunate to run your own program. And the crazy thing about it is, you know, when the pandemic hit, a lot of they gave a lot of people more time to work on themselves than than, than the years past. I think you're right. I think I saw more coaching development by individual coaches than I ever had during the pandemic. Guys actually trying to learn the game more. Right. Uh, I mean, you know, because you know, frankly, you know, as an assistant, your job is recruit, recruit, and recruit some more. Uh, right. And if there's no players to coach, you know, because there's no practice or games and there aren't even players on campus, the, the only thing we had to do was to go into a growth mode. And the guys that really took advantage of that, I think, you know, it really helped them because I saw 
a different style and different level of play by colleges than I had seen in years because I thought guys actually, head coaches actually tried new things because I don't think they right. really worked on things before. Your observation from scouting of uh, the schools in the SEC, for instance? Yeah, um, you know, just especially defensively. I think, you know, this mm-hmm. past year in the SEC, a lot of teams did different things than they used to do defensively over the past few years. And I think a lot of that was because they had time to think about it, overanalyze it probably. Um, and, you know, that's what that's what the pandemic gave a lot of people is just time to work on themselves. Like you said, I mean, as assistant coach, you're so focused on signing the next player and, you know, skill development, all those things that you never really have enough time in the day to, to truly think about your future. You know, I, I think for a young coach and, you know, and, and when, you know, I think, you know, your philosophy is formed at various stages of growth. And, right. you know, uh, sometimes, uh, you know, when I ask people, like, who is the most influential? You had a terrific playing career at West Virginia, but who was the most influential coach you ever played for? To you, to influential to, to you. Yeah. Yeah, to, to me, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say somebody who you guys probably don't know. I'm going to say my high school coach, Rick Cormany. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he's he's been the most influential in me. And I don't know if it's because those are my earlier years, but just the work ethic that he instilled in me from, uh, you know, when I played for him. So I would say my high school coach, um, Rick Cormany. You know, and I think that's something similar. My high school coach was UB Brown, and he was yeah. to me, and he's the reason that I wanted to become a coach. He was that role model that, you know, that I saw the impact he had on every kid in our school. You know, right. not just the basketball players, uh, students alone. And I said, I, my my mother was a high school history teacher, and, and she said, "What do you want to do when you go to college? You want to major in business?" And I said, "No, I want to be a, I want to be a coach." And she like, he never saw a mom get so disappointed in her life. Right. <laughs> and she and I, and I said, "I want to be like Coach Brown. I want to." But I knew I couldn't be him. Of course, I didn't. You know, he was such a. But I, I wanted to be able to help kids. and uh, you, But you go to West Virginia, uh, and then you play for Beeline and for Hugs. Uh, you know, yep. talk about two guys that I think are so opposite, right? <laughs> right? I mean, you know, as people and stuff, but still terrific coaches. Talk about each of them t- to me. Um, yeah, I mean, Beeline had recruited me when he was at Richmond. So I got oh, to wow. know him as, a eighth, as a, you know, eighth, ninth grader. So... I formed a, a great bond with them. And, you know, side story on that is Mike Jones, who <laughs> used to be the head coach of Radford, who's now at UNC Greensboro, he's the one that recruited me to go to um, to go to West Virginia. How about that? So then then I never played for him. He left going into my, my freshman year. The summer of my freshman year, he left and took the assistance out at Georgia. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was crazy. The first team meeting here, you know, all the guys, you know, they kind of evaluate me. And I said, look, we got something in common. So don't feel sad. I mean, Mike Jones left me too. So I understand what you guys are going through. That's funny. Um, but, you know, along the lines of, you know, playing for Beeline for those first three years, it was when he left, it was probably, you know, I, I thought that was one of the worst things that could ever happen, um, you know, because I signed up to play for him and I was comfortable with him. And, you know, then Hugs, leave, Hugs comes in. But I look back on it right now, and I'm thinking, okay, if I only played for Beeline, would I 
thought that that's the way to do things. Would I be still running, you know, one three one and two guard offense? And you know, with Hugs and like you said, they they're two totally different people. First of all, but sure. two totally different styles as well. So it helped me understand at an early age that you could do it multiple ways and be successful. Let, let you know, and I I really uh, and I really you know studied Beeline when he was at all of his many of his stops, but. Uh, when he was at West Virginia, talk about first, uh, and and this is great for our coaches that listen all over the world, is talk about the offense that he ran. It was so different than other offenses. That certainly, yeah. there's nothing like it now. You know, right now everything's middle pick and roll and stuff like that, and pick and roll yeah. up your you know what. And uh, but you know, John had that two guard front and everything, and the guards were coming and setting the back screen and the you know shuffle cuts and different things like that. Talk, right. talk about that right. as a guard playing for him. Yeah, it was it was really hard at first. I mean, because it's a lot of you know. Sometimes he has play calls. Sometimes it just reads. You know, mm-hmm. if you pass a certain person, it turns into this play. If you pass here, if you pivot this way, it's a different <laughs> play. So for me, it's like you know, I, I come from high school and I was, you know scored a lot of points in high school. So coming into my freshman year, I felt in that in that offense, it takes you a year to understand what you're doing. Mm-hmm. It takes you a whole another year to understand how to score and what you're doing because that's what you're focused on the scoring. I mean, I did it, Um, but it it was difficult. But now that I look back on it, the thing that I learned from him is that every play call, every pivot, you know, passes, whatever, have a name to them and they have a story behind them. So a lot of the terminology that he used, you know, still, I still know it today because he's an unbelievable storyteller and what he's trying to teach did he use the things like Freddie and Charlie? Did he use those? Ricky, uh, <laughs> a lot of Rickies, some rescreens, some yeah, you know, donuts, waffles, all that stuff. <laughs> yeah, Freddie was a flare. Charlie was a curl. You know, different things like that. I mean, and 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 the ones you're saying that the player names of people were probably players that played for him, right? Oh, for sure. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Oh, you know, and I and I think that's an interesting thing that. Uh, no, before we go to there, where my thought was, nowadays, with the advent of the portal, you you made a great statement about that it takes a year to learn this offense. You know, a lot of people in the NBA, Phil Jackson and Tex Winters used a triangle, which is similar, right. but it took at least a year to understand the reads of it. If you did that in college basketball, with players being as inexperienced as they are and not understanding how to read, half of the team would go into the portal because they just couldn't be patient <laughs> right. enough. And, and, right. You know, and I really think that's that's, that's <clears throat> such an interesting thing nowadays. But talk about Hugs and his style. You know, first of all, the way he uh, approached players as opposed to beeline. I mean, you're talking about an yeah. aggressive guy in a, in a in a good way, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, the thing about Hugs was that a lot of people don't understand how smart he is. Like, I'm talking about like psychologically, like in terms of motivating players and stuff on TV, you see him yelling and screaming, but you don't see the other side of it. Mm-hmm. So for me, it was like, you know, he, he came in and, you know, he's yelling and screaming at guys and then you walk off the court and you're hanging with him and he's not even talking about what he just yelled at you about. And you're thinking, 
man, I thought this dude was that mad at me. But as a player, sometimes you take it off the court. But Hugs never did that. So that's what I appreciated about him. And then I always told the younger guys, because you got to think I was a senior when he came in. I always tell him, I said, don't pay pay attention to what he's saying as opposed to how he's saying it, and you'll be fine. I love that. That that is good. I noticed when you got the job at Radford, he had a great comment. He said, oh, I love Darius. He's one of my favorites and everything. And I really hope that he brings his Radford kids up here to play us. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're going up there. The, psych- going up there. the psychological part of now making sure that you came up there for a game. Yeah, yeah. I thought that was classic hugs, you know, and, and yeah. that, that'll be a great experience for you too, going back to your second home in a way, right? To go right. up there to play. All right, well, now let's talk about, you know, you're, you're a guy that plays. And I, when I was looking at this, there's – and I think about this, you know, we have kids that now are so impatient about hanging in there and stuff like that. You know, the first bit of adversity, they're looking to leave. You had two coaches, yet you yep. stayed and played 144 games at West Virginia. That's yep. absolutely incredible, the amount of games that you guys were able to play back then, right? Right, right, right. <laughs> it's, it's, you know, nowadays, you know, you know, guys are one and done and or one and I'm, I'm pissed off and I'm leaving. You know, but, you know, you ha- every one of us, when wherever you go to college, has adversity and challenges and stuff like that. And, you know, you, you think about it. But the, the idea of hanging in there and fighting through things is a, is a really important lesson, I think, in, in college that young yeah. people need to learn. How, yeah, how, how do you I'm, deal I'm with never, that? I yeah. mean, I'll never forget the story. And, and, and Beeline tells it all the time. He's playing um, Wake Forest. We played Wake Forest in uh, NCAA tournament my freshman year. We won the triple overtime with Chris Paul. <clears throat> and wow. then so I guess Beeline ran into my dad after the game, and I didn't play that much. I played maybe 12, 12 minutes or whatever. So Beeline was thinking, you know, okay, uh, man, his dad's going to be all over me. I didn't play his son that much, and my starting point guard fouled out. And then so Beeline went up to my dad, and he's like, you know, I'm sorry. I, you know, I wanted to get him in more. And my dad said, no, no, no. You got to apologize for that. He needs to make his free throws. <laughs> Um, pretty good so like for for me like that's I had accountability when I called home I had accountability when I went home it wasn't like you know my dad's a high school coach it wasn't like he was just going to take my side on things I think that that's great Conzo Martin tells a similar story about his freshman year at Purdue playing for Gene Cady and he's like yeah. this superstar coming out of East St. Louis high school in Illinois and all you know, East St. Louis, I'm sorry, Missouri. And, and all of a sudden, you know, he goes, you know, there and, and he plays 30 seconds in a game and his mom's there afterwards. And he walks up to her and she says, you know, I'm so excited that you're in college and that you're on a team. That's right. She didn't care about how many minutes he played. She just, and he, and he said it just shaped his whole life as opposed to a mom being mad at the coach and stuff. I think, I think it's, I think it's so important, you know, but nowadays I think with the AAU parents, it's difficult to be able to, to get, I think sometimes they upset the player more than the players upset, you know, uh, that happens and stuff. After this quick timeout, we're going to come back with Darius and we're going to talk about how he got into coaching and, and the road he took there. Prepare like the pros with the new FastDraw. FastDraw is the number one affordable coaching tool used by pro and high school level teams worldwide. 
With FastDraw, you can save your plays and playbooks digitally, attach video and share with other coaches and your players in seconds. In addition to a great product, they also provide basketball coaching content resources through their blog and playbank, which features over 8,000 free plays and drills from their online coaching community. For access to these plays and more information, visit FastModelSports.com or follow them on Twitter at FastModel. Don't forget to use promo code CU10, that is CU10, to receive 10% off your next Fast Model purchase. Back with Darius Nichols, the head coach of Radford. Darius, one of the things that... uh, one of the things that I know you're X and Oing right now, so you know, just try to <laughs> try to hang in there. I know, but uh, one of the things yep. that uh, when you're you're sitting there with Mike White for the last several years, and you're going to all these NCAA tournaments, you know, you know, you had you were with Mike at La Tech before you guys went to Florida. First of all, when you guys went from La Tech to Florida, you got to think you're the luckiest guys in the world, right? <laughs> for a little bit <laughs> till the first SEC game right yeah until we played John <laughs> but you know one what, what, one of the things that you know it's uh that that really you know what was it like you know going from Ruston Louisiana or to, to Gainesville Florida and all of a sudden you're recruiting just just changes 360 yeah. you know in a yeah. state with you know, a, a lot of players and a league that's based on players. Yeah, I mean, it was it was an adjustment. I mean, you go from you know you're the mid major level to a high major level, and the biggest difference is the resources and the, just the type of guys you recruit. So I remember we first got the job, and you know we're sitting at a local place in Gainesville watching the NBA draft. You know, we get the job. I think it's May or whatever. So we're calling, we're calling all the kids. You know, that are year out. And, you know, we're trying to recruit them, saying, "What well, you doing? Watching you watching the NBA draft? You ever said nobody you're watching it?" And then so the draft comes on, and we're watching. And I'm looking, and I see Calipari bouncing from table to table, <laughs> and I'm thinking, "Okay, we're at this local burger joint, and we're calling the same kids that Calipari's calling, and all these high school kids watch him." bounce from table to table, I said, we got to change our recruiting strategy because those kids have already been recruited for the last three, four years who we're calling right now. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, from that, that moment on, it, it, you know, it kind of woke us up and we said, we got to focus on the younger, the younger classes, you know, the Keontae Johnsons, the Trey, the Trey Manns of the world and try to make sure we get those guys in the next class or so as opposed to recruiting these kids one year out like you can at a lower level. Good call. Good call. What about when you guys got there as far as style of play? Did you did Mike bring basically the same style of play that he did at La Tech or did you, you know? Yeah, we, we did. You know, we pressed, you know, we zone pressed for the majority of the game our freshman year. I mean, not a freshman year. I'm Your not first year. like a player. Our, <laughs> our, our first year. And uh, then, you know, then we kind of got away from it. We got away from it. We, we realized, you know, a lot of our guys, are, they, they're just wasting energy. And at this level, you got to use presses as a curveball. Um, and, you know, we were used to pressing on every make. And so teams, you know, at the higher level, you got so many ball handlers who can who could just blow through with some of those presses. So, you know, we had to get away from it for a little bit. Mm. 
What about style of play offensively? What what were the, what were adjustments that you had to make, or or did you just coach the same way? Um, I mean we 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 played very similar to how we did um, at uh, at Louisiana Tech. It was um, you know four four guards, four guards, one big. Um, it's kind of that ball screen motion. So I mean, we we added some stuff when we got there that was that was a little different, but for the most part, we kept it. You know, we kept it pretty much the same because you know the offense we ran, we didn't want to, want guys doing a lot of thinking. We want them, you know, want them reacting and and just playing free. And you also inherited some pretty good guys that were kind of left over from when Billy Donovan was there too, with Dorian Finney-Smith and yeah. Chioza. Was was Chioza coming in as a freshman then? Tioza was a. We got there. Tioza was a sophomore. Sophomore, freshman, sophomore. Yep. 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 And and uh, just a good college player. They played so hard. Finney Smith was an incredible college player. I thought. For, yeah. So, for, like a just like he is now. He's like a Swiss Army knife, right? You do so many things with him. Um, you know. You know. I think. What What did you find about the SEC as a league? You know, just as general comments about it. I mean, as a league, you don't. Sometimes, if you're not at the game and you notice being an SEC, you don't realize how athletic of a league it is. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't realize how you know how fast of a league it is. Um, so that was the thing that shocked me. Was just I'm like, okay, you know, I thought we played fast Louisiana Tech, but you know, you get to you get to um, you know the SEC. Everybody's like that. Yeah. When you uh, guys got to you've you've had great success there at Florida in getting into NCAA tournaments. NCAA tournament is a really hard thing to get into. I mean, really hard. And you guys have just mastered it, as far as you know, since Mike's been there and stuff. How do how do you, even with when adversity hits, injuries, of course, yeah. what happened this year with Conte, you know, it's really tough stuff, and held the team together, you know, and stuff. How, what's the approach that uh, you know worked for you guys? Um, I mean, for us, it was like if, if you studied our teams, we always got better late in the year. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a lot of teams in our, in the league, we would hear stories. You know, they're over practicing, and guys just get worn down towards the end of the year. But that's when our guys got excited because we would back off of them a little bit towards the end of the year, and you know, we just, we just string along a lot of games towards the end. You know, sometimes we'd be on the bubble and, you know, we just, we wouldn't lose our mind and just figure out a way to get in there. Mm-hmm. No, I think what, what is, you know, and now when you're, t- you know, when you're going from the SEC to Radford now, yeah. talk about, and I think this is really important for a young coach that's going from an assistant to a head coach. In your head, there's things that you're going to take with you X and O wise that, that, you know, you've said, I want to do this. Either we did this at Florida or these are things I saw other teams do that I want to do or things I did even as a player, you know, how how do you, how do you put that together? Your personal playbook? Um, you know, I just been, I, I study a lot of guys that I've played for or worked for and just how they've evolved. I think sometimes, when you've worked for somebody or played for somebody, you just assume that, okay, well, this is what I did when I worked for him or played for him. But I've studied, you know, obviously I worked for Mike Young at Virginia Tech. I've, I've watched him a lot. Uh, obviously I watched Beeline in Michigan a lot. So I've, I've watched how they've evolved. 
evolved and changed and adapted over the years. Um, so like the things that I like doing is, um, you know, playing how, um, Beeline played his last few years in Michigan, you know, he kind of got away from the two guard offense, Yep. more quick hitters, um, similar. I mean, he kept a lot of the same touches on it, but, um, that's, that's how I'm excited to play. It's similar to that. And then, you know, defensively, how we, how we did at Florida, you know, me and, me and Jordan Mincy were both defensive coordinators and defensively, you know, the last few years we've, we've changed defenses a lot in the middle of possessions. Um, and, and that's, I think that's how we've been successful over the last few years at Florida is just through our defense. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a, that's a real key and, 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 you know, in your starting your foundation of your program is going to be your defense. And, you know, I think all teams at all levels win starting out with their defense terrorists. Uh, after this quick timeout, we're going to come up and I want, this is the really important part. Darius is going to be, he's good enough to share with us really how you go about getting a job, which I think for, you know, we have so many people that are listening, so many coaches you know, not just in the U.S., but around the world that listen. I think that's the goal of all assistants is to be a head coach, and I think you've put together some really great ideas for that. So after this timeout, we're going to be back with Darius. We're thrilled to have our longtime partners and friends at Dr. Dish Basketball on board as sponsors of the Coaching You podcast. Dr. Dish machines are undoubtedly the most user-friendly and advanced machines in the world of basketball today. Dr. Dish has completely revolutionized and reimagined the shooting machine to provide the best solution on the market. Join top programs around the world like Duke, North Carolina, Florida, and countless others and upgrade your shooting machine to Dr. Dish. Dr. Dish machines are the best way to increase purposeful reps in your program to get players better, faster, while tracking progress along the way. Dr. Dish provides so much more than just your standard shooting machines with custom training, pro trainers, and coaches on demand, real-time and detailed analytics, and top-of-the-line drills and workouts. If you're looking to take your program to the next level, look no further than Dr. Dish for the best basketball training machine in the world. If you have an old machine that's just collecting dust in your gym, did you know that you can trade that in to Dr. Dish for up to $1,500 off and get a new dish? Make sure to give our friends at Dr. Dish a follow at Dr. Dish B-Ball on Twitter and Instagram for great daily drills, workouts, tips, and inspiration. Or contact us at drdishbasketball.com. Don't forget to mention Coaching You or our podcast for $300 off your purchase. All right, back with Darius Nichols, head coach of Radford. Darius, I think, you know, when when you were an assistant of Florida, you worked for a great coach in Mike White who, you know, is really behind all of his assistants getting head coaching jobs, which I think is a is the number one thing, you know, working for someone that really cares about your future and is supportive yeah. and not, not pissed off that all of a sudden you're looking for another job. God darn it. How could you be? You're supposed to sign a lifetime contract with me. And he can't, <laughs> you know, he can't, you know, you know, but Mike, Mike is fabulous like that. And he's no, having spoken to him so many times this spring, he's so proud of you guys, you know, two guys in a year getting jobs. He's on cloud nine. And as much as it hurts him initially, it's just, it, he's thrilled for you guys. And, you know, talk about the process that you went through and with the Radford job. Yeah. Um, 
I mean, the the process was was crazy because you know Mike Jones' name has been popping up all over you know coaching circles last few years. So when that's been happening, everybody's just speculating because I'm from Rafford that you know I would be a candidate for this job. Oh. So, I think it was a week earlier. Um, you know, I thought Mike Jones was making a move and I'm calling around trying to get the assistance in order and just trying to get everything figured out. And then he ended up not um, taking the job. And then I think it was maybe a week or two later, he ended up going to USC Greensboro and it happened so fast. Um, and that's one thing, you know, one thing that you don't realize how fast it moves. Yeah. Um, and, you know, when it happened, I, so they were they were on the plane to Gainesville probably the next day. Uh, I accepted the job on a Tuesday. And then I said, okay, so when's the press conference? I'm thinking it's going to be Thursday. And they said, it's tomorrow. And that's why we stayed down here. You're going to fly back with us. And I was like, okay. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah. That's how quick it went, huh? Yeah. Yeah, and I'm trying to I'm, I'm trying to get my clothes together. What I'm going to say at the press conference, and it was you know it was it was it was happening really fast. Yeah, I mean uh, you know things like that. You know you would like to say you know oh, you know when you're when you're an assistant, you know it never goes fast enough to get a job until all of a sudden right. when it does happen, then it's too fast almost. You it's know, too fast for you. <laughs> right? Yeah. You know, uh, but. Talk about! It. I thought I, I watched the press conference actually, uh, and I, I streaming, and I, I thought it was really good. I thought they did a great job of it. And I thought you were terrific. Yeah, no, I appreciate it. I, I mean, I talked to, I talked to like one of one of my mentors, and and I told him, I said, man, this is the thing. Like, you know, I'm from Rafford. Um, I know everybody in in, in Rafford. Um, so I, I think the thing is, they're going to try to make this day about me. I said, what I want to do, I want to spin it and make it about them because the people in this community are the people that help me get to where I am. Got it. So how, how did, for our listeners, tell how you did that. Um, you know, I just, I, I knew I was going to see a lot of familiar faces in the crowd. Right. Whether it was former players that played at Rafford. When I was growing up, I used to play pickup games with, whether it was my high school coach or you know, one of some of the donors. I just, you know, when I saw people in the in the stands that I recognized, I made sure I, I shared a story of how they impacted my life and, wow. you know, made them stand and, and get a round of applause because we all know, like, I mean, I didn't, people aren't successful by themselves. Sure. Um, I mean, there's a whole bunch of things that happened when I was a child growing up here that, that helped shape who I am. So, and those people were a part of it. You know, uh, one of the things they and they also made it like the whole thing was you know you know that you're back home you know and i thought uh, i thought that was a very good message for a school like that you know and and one obviously that resonated huge with the community and stuff and as much as i know mike jones also as much as a beloved figure and what a great job he did you know it took the sting out of him leaving a little bit if you know Right, you know, right. you know, and I think that's so important in a transition. And the same, similar to when Mike had to replace Billy Donovan. I mean, you know, you're right. talking about a 20 year legend in a freaking court you're playing on is named after the guy, you know, and it's so intimidating to go in there. And you can never be Billy Donovan, you just be Mike White, you know, the best version of him. And I think that, and go work your tail off and, you know, have the success that Billy had by going to the NCAA tournament every year. And I think that's what he's done, you know. But I think you've done a really great job 
of preparing, helping, trying to help assistant coaches, uh, trying this whole process of this and tell people how you've done that and what you've prepared for them to share with them so that it can help them in this whole experience. Yeah, I mean, the question I get a lot, and you know, in this business, people watch you from afar, and they watch how you move, and they study you, and you may not even know people are watching. Sure. So, I mean, the question I get a lot is, oh, you moved up fast, how'd you do it? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think I moved up fast, I mean, because I lived it. So, outside looking in, sometimes people think you did something really fast, but they don't know how long it took to get there or what you went through. Um so a lot of people, you know, when I talk to a lot of assistants, they just, they, they say things, you know, they're, they're looking for the next step too much. And I was never doing that. I was focusing on being really good where I, where I was. But you can also, you can also network and career develop while you do your job. Mm-hmm. But you just can't do it more than you do your job. Great line. Um, and, and that's what I see a lot. Um from from some assistants is, is that they're focused on career development more than they're focused on, you know, their player development. Um, so that, that's that's the biggest thing that that bothers me is that you know sometimes people say, okay, well, I want to be like you or I want to be a head coach, and I just ask them, well, why? Hey, why why do you want to? What is the biggest purpose? And, and my reason for being a head coach is because I just think I can make a bigger impact. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the things that uh, I think that you know we, we that we we see a lot of. Uh, I actually said this to Mike White uh, after you left. I said we have more coaches, assistant coaches in the portal than we do players this year. Oh, for, oh, for, sure. for sure. I mean, you know, they complain. The coaches complain about all the players that are in the portal. We got twice as many coaches that are trying to get other jobs. Yeah, and, and you know what? The thing that I've always done, and I think the reason why assistants are always, you know, there's a lot of assistants always looking for that next step is because they chose the wrong place in the first place. Good call. So for me, for me, I've always chose people. I don't choose a job. Like some people may say, okay, well, I want to go to this school. Well, you're picking that school because that school's a high profile school. Choose who you want to work for. So I've always worked for really good people. That is great advice. So tell me about uh, the ebook that you put together in trying to help coaches and tell me yeah. what it contains and tell, tell our listeners, uh, yeah, you know, Darius, about it, just, it. it. It contains, I mean, we're in the generation now where it's a lot of search firms, where, you, where you're dealing with search firms and things like that. Um, you know, dealing with search firms, basically what you'll go through. And I mean, I'm, I, I don't know everything, but I, I, I'm going through it and I'm currently going through it. Um, and just just ways to elevate your career without focusing, like I said, on the career development. Okay, well, a lot of sisters are looking for the next job or the next promotion or trying to skip steps when, um, you know, just ways to be really good where you are. And I think this, I think the search firms and things like that have changed the game. Yeah. Um, I think there's still ways where you can connect with people because some people don't want to deal with search firms. Um, and just kind of how I've maneuvered through it. I mean, I've done interviews where I've dealt with searches. I've done interviews where I haven't um, dealt with, with search firms. But for me, a lot of people don't realize how many interviews I, I had before I got one. 
and how many how many years it took for me to even get a head coaching interview. Right. Um, <laughs> so, uh, that, I mean, that's the thing that I, I want to cover in, in the Eagle. Just and just you know, not for, not for assistance, just focus on that. But just to have some of those thoughts when they have some free time, as a, as an off day or whatever, because I think the biggest thing that you don't take in consideration is who you hire and why you hire them. Most guys want to hire what? Their friends, right? Most guys want to hire their friends. Mis- um, big mistake. It's crazy. I can't I can't talk about it. I hire my brother. I, but I, I didn't I, I didn't hire my brother because he's my brother. I hired him because he's really good. Yeah. Um, and I, I asked John Beeline, you know, when I got the job, I said, What do you think about hiring? Because you've you made some, you know, really good hirings over your career. He said don't get caught up in hiring the best offensive guy, the best defensive guy, or the best recruiter. Don't get caught up in that because if they don't have the same vision you do, it doesn't matter. Good call. Good call. And, uh, you know, so how about the process of the interview? You know, what advice can you give to people that are, that are actually interviewing? Um, I mean, the, the biggest advice I would say, I mean, and everybody says it is, I mean, I, I went on the interview and, and you have to interview them as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so the, the biggest question I ask, and you know, we do this in recruiting. I'm sure you've done it. You show everybody what you want them to see. Right. <laughs> I mean, when you bring your kid in on official visit, you show them what you want them to see. If the dorms are bad, you, you're going to show it to them if they ask. But so when I go on the interview, I ask, I say, okay, well, you show me all this stuff. Can you show me something you probably don't want me to see? Boy, that's good. Um, and I've been on a few interviews, and it's usually, you know, sometimes they show me the weight room or whatever. And, you know, then you can really make a good decision because every job might not be the right fit. I've, I've interviewed for some jobs that weren't were, were a good job for somebody else, but not the right fit for me. So on the interviews, I mean, I would just say interview them as well. Um that I know a lot of people tell people that, but that's, I mean, that's the question that I usually ask. When you, when you, uh, when you're at a power five school like you are, and you're making pretty darn good money, many of the jobs that you might be able to get could be a pay cut. Yeah. From different people that I work with and know, um, what's your advice to people on that? Um, I just, I just think that if, if that's your concern, then you're in the business for the wrong reason, anyways. Right. And I think we're in the we're in the field of college basketball. It's like you spend so much time with, you know, with your team and your program. Like, what do you, what do you spend that money on, anyways, to take a pay cut? <laughs> so, um, for me, it was just, you know, for me, it was opportunity. Um, and, and I want to, I want to bet on myself, especially early as possible, and always tell assistants. I said, if you can, you know, because I started out as D2. I left the grad assistant spot of West Virginia and went to the D2. And I always tell them, I said, if you can make your moves earlier on, then you don't get caught up as a, you know, support staff member and you have experience. Mm-hmm. So I always tell people, just take a chance on yourself early. Focus on growth instead of money. And then the money usually comes. I like that. I like that a lot. Darius, how can they get this ebook? Uh, I put it, it's on Coach2. <laughs> Coach2.com. Um, it's on there. 
as far as like some, you know, interview questions and things like that. Just some of the stuff that I've gone through over the, the last few years when I've been involved in head jobs, even assistant jobs. I mean, I've been offered assistant jobs as well as, as head jobs. So, um, and and when they go to coach, when they go to coach tube, uh, what should they look for? What is it? What's it listed under? I'm just um, just the interview interview preparation. Interview preparation. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. With Darius Nichols. Okay. No, that's yeah. that's fantastic, Darius. And uh, you know, I, I I've been you know coaching against you, following you for years <laughs> and and stuff. And I am so proud of you and so happy for you and your family, uh, this is fantastic for you. And, and you're going to knock it out and do a great, great job. And, you know, and I just think that, uh, you know, this is the right fit for you in a big, big way. And, uh, you know, the only thing is uh, we, we got to get Coach Mike White to lend you the plane sometimes to help you in your recruiting in the summer you yeah. know, or hitch a ride with him. You know what? I like the, I like the car rides. I mean, I can put my playlist on. I can make some calls. I can stop to see some people. So, yeah, you know, there's, there's nothing wrong with the yeah, Coach White doesn't follow that philosophy, but I don't blame him, uh, you know. But yeah, not anymore. Not anymore. Hey, I appreciate you doing this, and have a great summer recruiting, and uh, we'll catch up soon, my friend. Okay. I appreciate you, Coach. Th thanks, Darius. Terrific job by Darius Nichols. Uh, again, go to Coach Tube, and, you know, how to interview, I think, is an interesting thing that all young assistants are concerned about. Hey, make sure that you, uh, if you're interested in coming out to Vegas, we're going back there August 7th and 8th. August 7th and 8th, we're going back out. And what an incredible list of speakers that we have. The the NBA head coaches and top assistants that we have speaking is as good as we've ever had. So I'm really, really excited about that. There's only a few spots left, so they're filling up quickly because this is our VIP session where everyone has a courtside table seat. Uh, you're right up there. Everyone gets the complete video series of all 15 speakers, a uh, couple of meals while you're there, T-shirts, notebooks. Uh, it is the way you dreamt about going to a clinic and learning uh, right up close, you can talk to the, and ask questions to the people that are lecturing. Uh, you know, the guys that you're seeing on TV coaching in the playoffs, you know, you actually get to ask them questions. I've We've found over the years, the 13 years we've been doing this, this is the most incredible way to learn. And frankly, selfishly, it's the way I love to learn. And everyone that we have speaking is someone that I want to learn from. So I think you're going to you're really be, you know, you're going to be taken back by the Ettore Messina, who every year, no matter where he is, whether he's with the Spurs or Olympia Milano, he is going to come in and teach because he's one of the master teachers in the game today. The great Billy Donovan also coming in here. Phil Handy, six NBA playoff runs, title runs in a row. Uh, you know, maybe the number one player development coach in the NBA over the last decade. Uh, is also going to be there as well as several other head coaches that I think you're going to absolutely love to learn and listen to. So remember, sign up because spots are filling up. Go to coachingulive.com forward slash 2021 to register. Once again, coachingulive.com slash 2021 to register. Look forward to seeing it. Until next week, this is the coach, Brendan Sir. 